What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have two special guests, and they happen to be brothers. They both happen to uh, share a lot of things in common, but I'm sure some things that are not the same. Uh, Darrell and Delon, right? Welcome to the show. Sorry, appreciate you having us. Yes. Um, we love to talk about hoop on the show, just the culture, everything that... Um, you guys have been through your journey and how we can help the people to get, you know, there's a lot of kids out there trying to get to where you guys have been, your own son, you know, your own kids as well. And um, to share with the people, you know, your journey. So we start to show off though with the wall of hoop movies. And so got all the classics up here. Uh, your favorite hoop movie will start with you, D-Wright. Um, do both y'all go by D-Wright? How does that work? Yeah, I'm big D right. I'm about to turn into D right. There we go. Um, so yeah, your favorite hoop movie of all time and why? Mine will have to go with uh, You Got Game. You know, just coming from the inner city, uh, having everybody around wanting him to make it. You know, his dad coming into his life, kind of pushing him and trying to get him, you know, to go to certain places. You know, I, I feel like that's really the whole culture, you know what I mean? Especially inner city kids. So that was pretty cool to see how Denzel was pushing him and how the whole community was behind him and knew he was a man and tried to get him to where he needed to be. Right. If you was in Ray Allen's shoes, are you uh, you going to Big State or are you going to choose somewhere else? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably going to choose somewhere else. You try to... <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. What you got? Which... Uh, well, I, uh, I'm going to go with Space Jam. Mm. Um, you know, I was... Probably uh, that era, like right when I was around like four or five, something like that. So I just feel like it was just, you know, one of those, you know, top tier movies when I was uh, growing up. So yeah, definitely. I've probably, probably seen that about a hundred times. Yeah, I've probably seen a lot of these movies over a hundred times. For sure. Uh, man, movies have such a big impact, I think. So that's why the, the wall of fame uh, has it right here. So, so dope. Um, man, it's, it's a, uh, I want to, we're going to start at the beginning for y'all because you, you know, you see it, but brothers, siblings getting to the NBA, right? Got y'all, the holidays, the ball brothers, uh, Morris twins, you know, uh, Lopez is like, they're out there, but there's only been 5,000 people in the NBA period. So coming from the same household, you know, we like to know, is there something that uh, in the environment that you guys grew up in that gave you that? spark you know that extra push to be a pro at what you guys do what was that like growing up in your household in la during the time that you guys grew up well you know we're from the inner city uh south central uh you know the things that motivated us to be successful was our parents uh hard-working people blue-collar people uh you know so they did their greatest job of keeping us from the streets so uh you know that's an easy out you know, being an inner city kid, being in a gang life and just staying in trouble. So our parents made sure we were active and busy all the time. So whether that was going from baseball, basketball, football to camp or <laughs> whatever it was, we were doing something every single day. Yes. We were after school, we get ready for practice or wherever we were going to game. So our parents did a great job of just keeping us locked in on whatever sport we were playing. Yeah, so you guys are about what five, six years apart? Six years. So six years mm-hmm. apart. And so you were are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. Well, are you any more siblings? Yeah, we got a younger sister. Yeah. So I'm eight years older than her, and he's two years older. 
Gotcha. And so you guys kind of took the lead from what Darrell was doing and everything. What was that like? Because having an older brother and, you know, following what he was doing growing up and understanding that example. I know my older brother was very different from me. And I was like, he kind of took a path where I'm like, I ain't following that path. That's right. how you get your butt whooped. <laughs> like, you get whoopers every day. I ain't messing with that. You know, what was that experience like just, you know, coming up behind Darrell and yeah, yeah uh, I mean, he made it easier on me basketball-wise uh, because I saw someone make it. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to ever make it. I just thought it was a goal of mine. Like, I just tell myself I want to do it because I didn't want to have no other job. So, <laughs> you know, when he made it, I thought I was almost out of high school, too. That's what I was telling, telling everybody. Um, it didn't work out like that. But, uh, yeah, it's like it made it easier for me to see the actual path. And... Uh, you know, it was just a matter of me, of me finding my own lane. And, you know, we took totally different paths to get to God. Even when I started high school, I did five years, it took me five years after high school to, to get to the NBA. So um, it was a long journey, but finally made it. Yeah, no, absolutely. What is, what's the, like I say, what's the two things that um, you took from your journey, you know, kind of going that long route? What, what is that, the mental state that you have to be in to know seeing somebody who's close to you get that success a little bit quicker, or not, I want to say the success, reaching that level quicker, and then for you to do it, what were, like, two things that really pushed you to get you, get you there? Um, seeing guys in my class, like, getting success uh, one year out of high school, and, like, they making it to the NBA after one year, and I was like, I feel like I was on the same level as certain people. Um, so that, that motivated me, and um, just knowing that I was going to have to Grind it out and you know go go to the long run of college. Right. Just you know I had to stay on my path. Yeah, absolutely. And so straight out of high school, and that was you know I think there was a couple people going out before that. You were one of the last ones to do it. Yeah, one forty one to be exact. There one of forty. I love it. No, I need those stats. One forty one overall. Overall, to ever be drafted from high school to the NBA. When did you know that you were going to? You were an NBA player. Yeah, it took a long time for me to know just because, you know, I was being groomed to be a baseball player. You know, that's why I spent most of my time on the baseball field, the batting cage, in the backyard with my dad, doing soft toss, hitting into a comforter, hitting off the tee, uh, you know, uh, playing travel, high-level travel baseball, scout ball, and stuff like that. So I didn't know until my AAU coach, Eric Harden, from the Paladins told me if I went to prep school, I'd be able to go out out of high school next wow. year. And I remember me telling my parents that, and they was like, dude, stop listening to just anybody, <laughs> okay? So uh, I didn't know until I got there. First few games, I killed it. And everybody was like, yeah, it's true. You're going to go out of high school, so. What was it about prep school that prepared you to be an NBA player? What was that one year and just being in prep? Because there's a lot of kids who go prep now, and they end up either going to junior college right. or, you know, college after that. So I did that. Yeah, yeah, okay, so the background. So well, for me, you know, I only played 11th and 12th grade. I didn't play 9th and 10th grade. Okay. So it gave me another year, you know, experience. Uh, and then the preparation of going, you know, cross country in Connecticut and my family in L.A. So I had to mature a little bit quicker. Uh, you know, I was able to live on my own and, you know, kind of get a feel what it's going to take for me to survive as an NBA player on my own, you know, being on time, uh, you know, the work ethic, you know, just being responsible and all those things that come with being a young adult. So that's kind of what prep school prepared me for. And then 
the talent that we were playing in prep school too. It was totally different from SoCal. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Now I'm playing against guys a little bit older, a little bit stronger, a little more experienced, and everybody going either D1 or they going to the league. You know, you in LA, most dudes don't play after high school. So yeah. that's kind of what really prepared me, just the competition and kind of being a mature young adult. Yeah. So it's so when you were in prep school in the NBA, you were Middle school ish, right? Six and seven grade. So, so you already had your your bumps and bruises from competing with him. And yeah. then, what was that like? You know, seeing him on the, in the NBA stage when you're kind of coming around that corner to developing in high school and you know preparing yourself for college or whatever it was. What was that like? Him not being there almost like how first, did you keep that competitive thing? First, I was happy he moved out. We was a share room, and I was just feel like. It was Eric. He controlled everything in the room. So um, I remember there's an interview, and you say that like that's my old roommate. Yeah, yeah old roommate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like, I was just happy that I had my own room now. Uh, and then you know once he once he was like I actually seen him like progressing. I just thought it was crazy. Uh, him going to the NBA at so young age. It really didn't hit me. You know when I was that that young. Yeah. I, I pretty much hit it though from. From like friends and stuff at school, like I didn't tell people that like, my brother's in the NBA, and I just felt like it causes a lot of drama. Um, yeah, people were already hating. Like you're only on this team with your brother, and like, so I just didn't tell people. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, some people will find out, and they just ask me so many questions. But uh, you know, it was a, it was cool. I got a lot of perks, a lot of shoes, and stuff. People sent me. Yeah, so it was it was yeah. fun. Um, and then so you transitioned so high school. Um, so Chris Young, shout out to Chris. Yeah. Uh, he told me, you know, uh, like you said, you didn't want no other job. You just wanted to hoop. For so sure. what was it like your first couple of years and, you know, maybe taking some, that making some mistakes on the academic side? Um, I, I want, I, I love for people to know this thing, these things because it's important how you recovered and you made up for it and you're successful now. Um, you know, what was your thought process then academically and then how did that shift and get you where you are today? So it's like a it's a two way street, right? So in high school we practiced and did all type of workouts, and so my body was like tired from working out and all this. And then you got to go to school for eight a.m. to three. Yeah. So you know, by the time I was getting home, I was like, I'm not trying to do no homework. Um, <laughs> when I come back to school, I'm tired, and you know, I was focused on basketball so much that I let my academics slip. You know, so I had to take that long route of going to prep school, going to junior college, then going to the university. I paid for it, you know, since my ninth grade year. So um, I was just happy that I was able to overcome that. Yeah. That could cost me going to the NBA, you know, my grades in ninth grade. Just so it's just ninth grade that there was. No, no, I'm saying like it started in ninth grade. It started in ninth Okay. By the yeah. time you miss so many classes, you can't, can't make up. You can't make up. So if you, you can only make up like three classes per year. Mm-hmm. I was failing like three classes per year. So that adds up. All right, so your journey through prep school. So what prep school did you go to? I went to uh, Rice Academy in Philadelphia. Okay, Rice. Okay, yeah. and then uh, junior college. Where'd yeah. you go? San Francisco. He, he can tell you a better story about that. Why, why I ended up there. Right. So how did that happen? So that ended up uh, after he got done with prep school, which was a total disaster towards the end. <laughs> and I just told him, yo, you need to just come back home. Does that school still exist? I hope not. <laughs> okay, so now it sounds <laughs> like Rice. Like, I don't know. I've heard of exactly. the East Coast. Yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, see. 
Kuzma okay. went there too. Who? Kuzma. Uh, but comparing where his experience and my experience, my school's been around since like the early 1900s. Yes. Yes. You know, established. Yes. Well, no. That's why I was like, I've mean, I never heard of that. Exactly. So, you know, it was just a total disaster. I had kind of more of an idea of what prep school was because I did. So I was just like, bro, you just need to come home, bring your stuff. And then he ended up coming to the Bay. That's when I was playing for the Warriors. And he was just at my house chilling. Not doing anything. And I'm like, bro, what are you going to do? And this, this is a true story. What are you going to do, bro? You need to do something. And uh, I'm just at the weight room, you know, doing my lift with uh, John Murray, my guy. And I'm like, bro, you got a, a junior college or a school out here I can send my brother to? Because he just came back from prep school. He's just trying to figure it out. He's like, yeah, send him over there to my guy uh, City College. I'm like, City College? He's like, you don't know nothing about City College. So he started telling me all the history about the football team, yeah. the basketball success and all that. So I'm like, cool. So I get on the phone um, with um, Michael. Yeah, uh, Justin. Justin. I get on the phone with Justin and he's like, yeah, bring him by. So I bring him by. He showed him around the school. And he's like, yeah, we're taking. And uh, that's how it happened. Wow. You know? So it was just like that. Me just having a conversation with the strength and conditioning coach. He pointed to City. Man, I know a lot of people know the history about City College, you know, winning championships, being the number one team in California. He fit in perfect. Nice. Nice. And then from there, transition Utah. Yeah. Nice. So, man. And then you were in Utah three years? Two years. Two years. And then got your your name called 2000. We were redrafted. I was 2015. 15. Yeah. Man, that's. Another another crazy part about that story, too, right? So, um, my boy JD Dubois, um, he just finished coaching with the Lakers Summer League. Okay, yeah, coach. So uh, he was in his graduate year at Utah. So he was uh, the starting guard. I was in my sophomore year, and so I'm already uh, getting recruited by you know pretty much all the West Coast teams. And uh, he was like, "Yeah, would you consider coming to Utah?" And I'm like, "Not really, like <laughs> right." They're a five and twenty-five when he was here. So like I'm like not really like I'm starting to get recruited all these big schools um kind of feeling myself a little <laughs> I was like you know what like just like out of respect for you like you wouldn't scare scare me wrong so uh, like yeah I right, know how to call you so um well uh, Coach Slocum he uh you know sit in contact with me throughout my recruiting process and uh towards the end of my so- or beginning of my sophomore year I was gonna commit early and um you know it just, it just aligned um, yeah. And, you know, I saw I ended up going to Utah because my friend was leaving and he wanted me to take his spot. So that's dope. No, I think it's so important for kids, especially guards, to understand, like, those big-name schools. Yes, yes. they develop NBA players as well. But somewhere where you have the opportunity to have the ball in your hand, you know, so sure. be you and the coach is trusting you because you're the best player there. It's so important to find those situations where – and but there's a coach who could develop you. Yes. You got better and prepared for the NBA and to that next level. It's so important. You see it with most of the guards that are thriving in the NBA. They all came from the, you know, small. Utah's not a small school, especially to those us in the West Coast. Yeah. Pac-12 is like, yo, big time as well. But on the, you know, the brand of basketball we're talking about, nobody's like, oh, yeah, I went to Utah. And right. it, it means something to these kids. So I just, I love that, that you went that route and you got that opportunity to develop. So this is a question for both of y'all. It's different uh, generationals in the NBA because of when you went versus when you went. When you first get in the NBA, what's the biggest shock to you? What was the biggest uh, transition that you had to make? For me, physicality. That was the biggest thing. I got to the league. I was 6'8", 
barely 185. You were a tall baseball player. Hold yeah. on, excuse me. Hold on, quick. What position did you play in baseball? I was playing first base and right field. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Aaron Judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aaron Carroll was okay. all I do. And you probably hit the ball. Oh, yeah, that was, that was my, that's what I did. I was a, I was a, uh, I guess a power hitter. You know, if it wasn't a home run, it was a double or a triple, so, something like that. Okay, sorry, sorry. All commercial oh, brand. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. I got you. I was across. Oh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so, all right, so, yeah, so uh, the physicality of the NBA. Yeah, physicality of the NBA. I had to get just to that. I was, I just wasn't ready. You know, it was all potential. And I used to, you know, ask my coach, Keith Atkins, who, you know, did player development with me. I'm like, why did y'all waste y'all time drafting me and I don't play? And he was like, bro, you were drafted off potential. Yeah. You're not ready to play yet. You got to develop. You got to get stronger. You know, you got to get better. You got to get consistent. So um, I think that was the biggest thing, just physicality and understanding, like, you know, everything takes time. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. What about for you? I would say uh, similar to the same film is uh, pretty much is having to wait my time. Mentally, I was like, kind of like, why y'all drafting me? Because I, I was like, I was I had won the Bakuzi in college, so I, I figured I was going to come in right away and play. Uh, so I had to wait two years, you know, behind Corey Joseph and Kyle Lowry. So uh, just sitting and, you know, getting DMPs, you know, just that was like mentally draining. So I just had to stay locked in. But, um, yeah, just being humbled and not playing right away, that was probably the biggest adjustment I could make. What does that really look like, though? Both of you guys just talked about that, just staying locked in that mental part of it. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis when you are competing? First off, this is what you do is right. this is how you make your money mm-hmm. and you got to get to that next contract. You got to get to your second contract. What does that look like mentally locked in? Is there, are there things that you do, daily tasks that you do to stay mentally locked in? I'll start with you too long. But... Me, uh, you know, I ain't gonna lie. I had a, I had a lot of fun in Toronto when I wasn't, when I wasn't playing. Like I was going out, you know, I was using the excuse, oh, I'm not playing anymore. No I'm just gonna go out. So uh, I kind of got, got away with that my first year. Luckily, when I was thrown in, I was ready to play. But, you know, that approach wasn't probably the smartest. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I was still putting in work and stuff. So it helped me. But, um, yeah, it's just day-to-day. Uh, also depends on your your support system. Like, my coaches, they didn't let me kind of, like, fall behind. It was always on me working and working and working. And then when I had some free time, I, you know, have fun. But, uh, so just staying in the gym. Staying in the gym <laughs> and uh, knowing, like, seeing your vision of what type of player you're going to be and working on that, like, be realistic. Don't come in thinking you're gonna get up, you know, twenty shots, and you're just gonna be a role player. That's all. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree with him. I had a lot of fun in Miami. Uh, <laughs> I used to be on South Beach all the time. I never forget Pat Riley bringing me in the office, telling me, "Yo, bro, you need to go to University of Miami because you're underage." And I had to tell him I'm at University of Miami because my my best friend Jack and Clinton, the man there, so I'm okay. both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, the support system was major. Um, you know, when I came in the league, it wasn't like, you know, this era as far as skill development. Yeah. Uh, Miami was probably the only team in the whole NBA that was really locked in on skill development and, you know, bringing guys on and taking the, the, uh, diamond in the rough and making them, you know, a, a NBA player. So, uh, for me, you know, I was at the gym. We practiced at 10. I was at the gym taping ready at 830. Me and Keith Atkins went hard until it was practice time. I practiced from 10 to 12. Right after practice, I went straight to the weight room. And then just depending on the day and the workload, I might go back up and shoot more. So that was every day for me for like a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And there was no way out of it. 
I used to be pissed, like, why am I, why y'all working me like this? But, you know, they, they wanted to tear, break me down to build me back up. Yeah. You know, show me how to work, show me how to be an NBA player. And I was so grateful for going to Miami because I could have went to any other place with no structure and been out the league as soon as that contract was over. But they held me accountable. They pushed me. Uh, and, and they didn't let no slippage, you know what I'm saying? So they stayed on me. And I used to be like, keep acting, bro. You're not my dad. I got a dad. I don't need a dad. <laughs> but, you know, me being young and just green, not even understanding, it was just the best thing for me. And, you know, those people I respect and thank every time I see them because, you know, I don't have the longevity in the league and just throughout my career without, you know, that experience. And so the, the workload or the work ethic, even went up when you got to the oh, NBA. Man. People think that's the entry point. Yep. And so it's, so I've been blessed to always do the pre-draft for the last six, seven years, right? And that's what we do. We get these kids, they think they're doing it, you know, yeah. University, Kentucky, Alabama, wherever they at. And like, oh, we're going hard. I know how to do this. And then we take them through a pre-draft workout. Mm -hmm. You know, it's two a days with yeah. the weights. It's pretty much what you do. Yeah. And it, as a rookie, I'm like, now we're going to introduce you how to train like the NBA player. Y'all right. are here. You're drafted off your potential, but if you don't do this every day for the next five to six years, you ain't gonna get to that next contract. And so that that difference that it makes to be introduced and shown how to do it the right way, you were with some great organizations yes. and throughout your whole career. And it's crazy though because I credit that to who you are as a person. You always look at that because those organizations they get good humans yeah they get good high character individuals because mm -hmm. they know that you yeah you might say oh you ain't my pops but no, for sure. you gonna you gonna get to the world. we're gonna respect right. it and it built my mental toughness too you know what yeah. i'm saying how to get through things uh you know throughout the course of a game or you know have three or four bad games in a row you gonna you know that mental toughness from them hard workouts and them challenge you every single day you find ways out of that yeah yeah so Delon, you've been to how many teams have you been on now Seven. Seven. Yes. What has that journey been like being on a different team almost every year, right? Literally every year. I, I think my first three, first three and a half years is the only time I've been on a team, you know, mm -hmm. straight through. So every since my fourth and so forth on, uh, I've been on a different team to start the year. So it's it's difficult, but, uh, you know, I, I luckily, luckily I've been able to uh, adjust to it and uh, make the best out of it. Which, what is uh so you have a defined role, I think, right? You yeah. kind of figured out your place in the in, in the league and that's why you're staying, you know, you stay with it. What is your role, you know, as a point you're a point guard, yeah. combo, you know, be on the court with another point guard. What is that role? And what what have you mastered within that role? So I'm mastered uh well still mastering, master whatever you yeah. call it, uh, being able to change the game defensively. Um just getting steals, uh you know, uh, kind of taking away their best player uh, when I'm in the game. Uh, little things like that, I'm thrown in to do that. And uh, offensively, just kind of control the tempo and still try to change the tempo at the same time. So, you know, it's a few little things. It's, it's a hard job, but, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm cool with it. And uh, it's, it's keeping me around. Yeah. What is it that, uh, or how do you deal with knowing that you go get buckets at any time you really want to? Oh, so I, I played against the line in the workout, <laughs> so he's a bucket, and it's very easy for him to score people. And so what? how do you get your mind in that state? Like, man, I could be doing what so-and-so is doing, yeah. and I can't because I have to fill my role. What is that like, and how do you uh, – is there a part of you that tries to strive to – 
be that dude. Yeah, that's the point. It's tough because I have a lot of friends that are like, oh, you shoot more, you do all this. So I'm like, if I was to do that and I failed at, you know, trying to be a scorer and all that, I'll probably get the lead. You know where I'm at now. Um, they they know what they're getting. I know what I'm bringing to the table. Um, yes, I can probably try to score more, but for the teams I've been on, I, uh, it's not really needed. So, yeah, it's just a fine line of knowing my role and, but still also knowing in the back of my head when the time comes that I can go score. And so, Greg, you were in the league for 10 years? Uh, 12. 12. Mm-hmm. And then played overseas? Four years. Four years. At the end, towards the end. Mm-hmm. So, 16 years of pro ball. Yeah. Dang, man. Hey. For a long time. That, that's healthy. Like, that, man, you just play that long. And that the level you did is uh, that's healthy. Um, what what was that transition like, you know, after the 12 years in the league, transitioning mm-hmm. to overseas? Uh, I was so hungry still. I, I, I always had a chip where I still need to prove that I could still – play at a high level. So, you know, I first went to China for like four months. And then after that season, I went back to Miami. And that's when I had the opportunity to play against him, like in that last game of my career, which is crazy now. I think it was, no, that the, y'all win in Miami or? We won in that Toronto. Yeah, so that was the last game of my career. I got a chance to play against him for and a few Yeah, they beat us. We sent us home. Man, I had a, I, not to cut you off, but I had an ISO against him at the end of the game. Everybody <laughs> like ripped his head. <laughs> I had an ISO against him. I did a move and I ended up passing it. Oh, I didn't know I was going to be advised. No, I didn't think I was going to be advised. You know, NBA game. Yeah, I would have for sure. There's, there, there's a picture of that somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's find that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, yeah, so, so, so uh, after that year, you know, I kind of was like, I want to go to Europe. So my agent at the time, Bill Duffy, I was telling him, like, man, I'm trying to go to Europe. I want to play EuroLeague. All my friends from, you know, Bobby Brown, from Jetter. They all was over here for, you know, a long time. So I'm like, I want to do that now. And it was like, you sure you can play in Euroleague? I'm like, yeah. yeah I mean, twisted. Like, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, you sure. Right, you know, this is a different basketball game. And I, I kind of okay. took offense to it at first until I got here. I was like, oh, okay, now I see what they were saying. What's the biggest difference? Uh, the physicality. They're uh, more physical? Then? They're way more physical. That's why you see so many Euro players talk about how the game is so different here. You got the Lucas, you got uh, the Victor kid that just mm-hmm. – yeah. You know, reason to talk is, is different. You know, you can bump, you can, you know, check, you can uh, back a guy down, unlimited dribbles. There's not no five seconds. Five seconds. Yeah, you can chuck somebody that crossed the lane. You know, it's, it's way more physical for sure. So um, once I got over there, I went to Bosnia first, and it was kind of like that day-to-day contract. It was like a lot of these teams want to take a risk, but they want to see you play. So I went to Bosnia. Um, my first game, I think I had, what, like 24 that's like 50 in, in, okay. in Europe. Yeah. That's a lot of points. And then the next game, I came back with like another 20. Okay. So they like, everybody calling now. Like, man, we're trying to get you on a Euro League team and calling. And now I'm just like the big, the highest bidder. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So played one more game, and I think I had like 33. Now it was like, okay, it's a wrap. So uh, they got me out of there after three games. And, you know, I played in the Euro League, uh, one of the, the second best league for sure. In the world, played against Luka Doncic and a lot of the young talent that we see in the league. But uh, the transition was definitely difficult, just being away from family, playing a different game. Uh, you know, the structure of practice, how hard they go. Every playing, day? Yeah, every day. Every day. They only have two games a week, though, right? Well, depending on if you're in a big league. So, your league is once and then two times German league. So, I went to Germany. Okay. So, we played three games a week. So okay. That's a lot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, we were always busy, but... Between them, you practicing hard still. You're right. That's what I'm saying. Six days a week. Exactly. Tough. Hard. So 
Um, our transition was cool, and I'll never forget my guy, Nico Zizis. He, he was like in his 18th year. He was like 30-some years old, and he was like, well, I respect you so much because you're out here not asking for you no know, breaks. You're doing everything to action to do. You're playing hard, and you're getting on the court, and, you know, you are our main guy. And he was like, you don't have to do none of this stuff because of your career and, you know, the money you've earned. So for you to come out here and, you know, and prove to these young dudes that you can still play, I respect you a lot. So it was definitely a a uh, different journey, but it, it was fun because I was yeah. having fun. Pooping for money. Yeah, like, for people sure. don't get that. If you really love this game, man, I've had, I have kids that I've worked with who are ready to go to a university, you know, do, do your college or whatever, and they're like, I'm like, hey man, this is D2 who wants you. And no, you're not getting any D1 looks right now. All right. Go D2. Like I said, the portal, all this other stuff happening. You got these, you know, the OTE, you got the G League. Like, yeah. I know your goal is to get to the league. You got to take who's on who wants right you mm-hmm. and go. Like, if you love who, it ain't no D1 or bust. Like, yeah. no matter. Nah, go who, man, yeah, and see go. where it takes you. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people, prep school, JUCO. You know what I'm saying? It took yeah. you a minute to get there. There's people, uh, Derek White, right? Went D2, then got an opportunity, yeah. and then got to, you know, got to there. Like, don't, don't think that there's only one way to do it. I agree. And I, agree. I just, I, I love, like, if you love who, then it'll take care of you. And you're going to have fun doing it regardless of what level you're doing it at. Right. And they're going to find you. You can play, they're going to find you. Right. There's, there's too many people out here doing it. Like, that's exactly. literally everybody's job is to find the bros. Exactly. So. Um, awesome. Um, so let's bring it back to, to LA. Um, you guys have had a big impact just on the LA community with, um, you know, especially you with what you've done. Um, you created a grueling team essentially for him mm-hmm. and, and to, to, um, get that competition, that bump and prepare, you know, what, how did you kind of foresee that? Like, I, I don't think there was many people thinking at that level. Yeah. So what did you, you know, what, what was the name of the team before us? Well, I started with Scrubs. Kings of LA. Kings of LA. Yeah, Kings, Kings of LA. LA was the first team. But, you know, we played with the Cheaters, uh, Casper Ware, somebody that my dad and uh, our our uh, godfather, uh, Dexter McDaniel, passed away. They were they were close with Casper since they were young. Okay. So, you know, Casper was my actually my shooting coach before I went to the league. Mm-hmm. My dad was taking me up to Washington Park, and we, I was shooting with Casper, getting my jumper ready. So... I played with Casper right out of high school, like my prep year. And then I just talked to Chris Young, Ghetto Bird, like, bro, I cannot get my own team. He was like, that's easy. All we got to do is talk to Dinos and, you know, you pay the fee. I was like, let's do it. And then I looked at it where DeLon have opportunity to play. He ain't got to worry about no politics, yeah. you know, playing for another team, all these pros and guys that's been there. So it created something for him. And it also created something for our NBA friends, you know, when they want to come to L.A. and play. And they get got a team to play on. You know yeah. what I mean? Instead of going with some dudes that they don't know, probably going, you know, you know how sometimes the pros come. Yeah. Other dudes got to prove that they can play. Right. Other than letting them get their game off. And, you yeah. know, because people are here to see them. We are. This is what, that's what it is. People are here to see them. So I feel like that created a lane for not only DeLon, but all our peers. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what was the impact of you being able to play in the Drew League against the pros in that competition level? I feel like it was perfect timing because I was, I want to say I just graduated from uh, from Luzinger and this was around the time where I was thinking about prep school or like during college. Um, so I was able to play against pros, you know, overseas pros, NBA pros um, as a as an 18 year old. So uh, I feel like it helped me a lot, um, just getting better and also uh, just comparing my game. Like 
I see what I need to work on. I see what uh what it's gonna take to get me to their level. And uh, you know, they're just one of the best things that happens to me. That's awesome. So both of y'all, it's a question for you because you coach AAU a little bit now mm -hmm. and you haven't had experience. So you shouldn't play a lower level than your age to get better at basketball, right? No. <laughs> no. Okay. So if you're 12 and you're playing with a 10-year-old, you're out of pocket. Okay, I just want y'all to hear that and see that. Ah, two pros, okay? Yes. Uh, play up, man. Play the competition. Play That's the only way you get better. I, I can't preach that enough. It's like, yes, I understand reclassifying sometimes. Some kids yeah. need that here. Like you said, y'all in prep school. It's, it's the doing it on the front end of mm -hmm. it, right? But when you do that, go play high school ball. Yeah, you know, right. Stay in eighth grade. You know what I'm saying? You know, made hoops is a little... Um, you know, everybody's like a little older, so that makes mm -hmm. sense, or, you know, some of these leagues, but man, go play high school, go play right. in adult leagues, man. I love right. what, what, that's what Gil did with Elijah. You just put him in adult mm -hmm. league right before high school and it just physically prepared him. So, yeah. man, I saw that. I'm like, oh, that's what I tell all the eight graders. Yeah. Go play adult league in the spring, man. Forget the low eight. There's no college coaches at AAU. No, no, no. <laughs> and get that bump and that experience and be aware there's no politics. Yeah, for sure. I love that. For there's sure. no politics. So, um, and so, so, the L.A. basketball scene, um, you know, created the brand of uh, hometown favorites with the clothing line now. You know, what does that mean to you and what is its mission? Uh, you know, it means, you know, you're a favorite. Where are you from? You know, uh, everybody, you like that hometown hero. You know, uh, when I started my clothing line in 2013, and that's what the 13 symbol for on the side, I think it's this side or this side. Uh, that I started in 2013. It was more cut, cut and sew. And I was like, we need a sports brand on the side. And that's when I came up with the idea of hometown favorites. Got it. You know, me being a hometown kid, you know, being one of the favorites, you know, everybody proud of you. Oh, I told, you know, your old classmates, your auntie, I be telling everybody my boy play for, you know, whatever, whatever. So that's kind of where it came from. Like, I'm a hometown favorite. We're hometown favorites because of our success and where we come from. So that's kind of where I came up with the idea. Uh, and, you know, just paving it forward for the young kids. You know, that they could be a hometown favorite, whether they make it or not, you know, just doing something positive, doing something uh, that you enjoy and people look up to you, your favorite, you know. So that's kind of where I came up with the name. That's kind of like, you know, the mission for just paving it forward to the young kids and also look, looking cool and fresh. <laughs> right. No, no, it's fresh stuff. Uh, so, uh, man, that's awesome. I love, I just love, like, it's a way of you giving back. Yeah, And you sure. share, man, like. Y'all are here in LA, mm -hmm. you know, you're all summer, you know, regardless, and you're here shoot, all the time. Yeah. You know, it feels like every weekend or something. And now, now here, you know, for, for good and, um, having your son down here yeah, and facts. experiencing, you know, the same coaching that y'all had. Like, that's mm -hmm. why y'all high school coach is your son's coach. Exactly. And it, either. So Reggie was my first, I was the first player he ever coached. And now, the, Devin is going to be the first player from a former, one of his former players, kids that he's ever coached. Reggie, whoa. Yeah. That's like, that's like, now you're having an old man moment. Yeah. But just to piggyback on that, my son had been in the Bay Area, you know, the last, what, 12 years. So he didn't get the real, real feeling of love of all our peers, you know, from Pooh, from Bobby, from M. Will, from T.A., from Bottoms. All those dudes, you know, surrounding him and showing him love and holding him accountable. So now he's able to experience what the line was able to experience because he used to be in those same pickup games with us. Those dudes can't hoop no more, but they can train them. You know, they yeah. can they can mentor him and stuff like that. So Devin has no idea like what he's in store for these next three years of high school because the um the village 
yes. you know, that's around that we always talk, it takes a village to, you know, create whoever it is. So Devin is going to be able to experience that now. I'm so blessed and fortunate to have the type of friends and, you know, the relationships I've established over the last 37 years, really. So he's going to get that full experience. What is like, man, it keeps coming back to it for me. It's just like this legacy that's created. Mm -hmm. It feels like it started with your parents, right? right? right. And their community around you guys to keep you out of the streets and keep you busy Mm -hmm. and and doing what you're supposed to get where you are. It's even in how y'all just talk about life, man. It's it's a place of humility and and love for the game. Like, how do we pass that on to our youth? Like, right. So you have your son, so you, you have that community, you know what it is. So how are you doing that with the teams that you coach and, and the kids that you're around? How do you create, recreate that culture now? I think the biggest thing what I do with all the teams I coach is sharing my resources. So whether if you got an injury, I got somebody to send you to. If you got, you need a massage, I know somebody to send you to. You need a trainer, weightlifting skill, I know the person that can help you, you know? So I think that's how I give back is just giving these resources up. Uh, you know, I've met so many people, you know, on my journey, a 16 year career, and so many people want to give back as well. So I feel like me sharing my resource, that's the, that's the biggest cheat code, yes. you know, that you know where to recover at, you know, you could go talk to a PT person and you dealing with knee pain or whatever, they could fix that right away. Yes. My guy in, in NorCal is one of the best Doug, uh, and I sent all my kids to him. He put guys on that, uh, yeah, the plate. And then he can tell, like, if you're going to have an injury in the next few months because of how you land and how you jump, things like that. So I feel like me being able to give up my resources is the biggest thing that I'm paving for to the youth. And so, Don, you were, you received those resources probably kind of firsthand, one of the first ones to receive those. What, what was that like? And did you have peers who weren't receiving those things and seeing how it kind of impacted their career in the long term? For sure, for sure. It's a, it's a lot of guys that were, um, quote unquote, better than me, like skill wise, physically, that didn't pan out, um, whether it was college or NBA. Uh, and just uh, talking about his resources or whatever, or the village he had, um, I always remember and Will, we would play pickup with all his homies. Um, and then Will would pick me first on everybody that was in there. Mm. I thought it was weird at first. I'm like, well, why is he picking me? And but. He saw something in me. He saw me uh, going to get the loose balls, getting steals, uh, doing a little sneaky stuff. So he'll pick me first before anybody, even before the pros. So that kind of like gave me confidence, like, oh, I'm doing something good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just him gassing me up. And, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was gassing the time, but he saw something. Uh, that's one thing I can say about M. Will. Like, he was the biggest fan of DeLon, and he's seen it before everybody because. I remember I'm gone, so I didn't even get a chance to see him in high school until he got to prep school. So I'm just, I just hear what you're doing, right? So it just used to confuse me that he didn't play nothing like me. You know, I used to go get buckets, score 30, 40, mm-hmm. whatever. And he, like he said, he's going to do the sneaky stuff, tap the ball from behind, offensive rebound, trick you, steal, stuff like that. And then he used to just be so goofy. So he used to irritate the hell out of me. <laughs> like, bro, you need to get serious. You know what right. I mean? But in Will seen it that, you know, just the little things he did. And he used to always say, he's like, bro, DeLon's going to be better than you. He was like, dog, he, he like, he don't even like you. Why you keep picking him? Let me tell you. <laughs> so I, that's one thing I can say about in Will. You know, he's a crazy basketball mind as well. And he definitely seen it at a, at a early age with DeLon that, than I did. Cause, he didn't play like me or look like me on the court where I was like, we, 
I said, did he end up better than you? No. Uh, still, and no, I'm still working. <laughs> I haven't ever 16 yet. Your career, I was like 16. Yeah, 16. 16. I ain't ever 16 yet, so. Uh, What's your highest? Like 10 and a half. 10 and a half. Yeah. All right, so we get there. We still yeah, I'm still riding like the league in threes yet. But, you know, he be running his own path. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, that's so, what He ain't got to, it's, it's really no competition at all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's, healthy, it's healthy and fun, right? Yeah, yeah. I got 16. Uh, there you go. It's hard, though. Yeah. It's hard. So, yeah, man, scoring in the NBA ain't no joke. Yes. Guards and NBA players ain't no joke. So yeah, that's what I know. It's like, man, to do what NBA players do, like, people don't understand. And it, it like, I hate it. I'm around, you know, I'm around middle school kids. Yeah. So they are, they think they know everything. Like, <laughs> oh, he sucks. I like, no. That's everybody. I said, no, no, no. No NBA player sucks. Yeah, if you get all of you buckets and there's mm-hmm. only 450 of them right now in the right. NBA and only... 300 of them actually playing games. So right. don't even say an NBA player sucks. Right. Like you, until you do what they do, then don't talk about yeah. it. Like, right. they, oh, that guy. I was a guy, everybody <laughs> sucked. Oh, you weak. And so I got to, you know, right. actually see what everybody does suck. Yes. Yeah. Just sort of sense of your role. Who's the, who's the hardest working player that you played with on the team so far in the NBA? I got a lot. Yeah. Got a lot. My my top few guys that have to be D Wade, um, Steph Curry, and Damian Lillard. Like I've never seen guys like those guys work as hard as they did. Uh more with D Wade it was just all the, the injuries, you know, yeah. and bouncing back from that and getting back to that superstar status. Uh Steph Curry, you know, we used to be like, bro, you need to go get some rest. You still in here working. You know, we didn't see it. There's just the time it, spent. It was a, it's a time spent. And, you know, these are things that wasn't cool back then. The skill work and just being in the gym forever. Like, you got your work in, but two, three hours is a lot. And yeah. Steph did it. And then Dame, he just always that underdog. So he carried that with him everywhere. So those three guys right there out of my teammates worked harder than anybody I ever seen. Yeah. What about you? I was going to throw people off, but, like, Louis Stolen. Mm-hmm. This is, like, at the year, age 38 for him. Around that time, 36, 38, it was like a last year in the league. I never seen nobody work that hard, especially for him to be so old. Like, this dude was lifting and getting up shots, and he was doing conditioning, like, before game days. I've never seen nobody do that. I was my rookie year. So that's why he lasted so long. For sure. I see why. And planning. You're in great shape. That's in Europe. You know, you get to these NBA practices and you be like, this is not enough work. Yeah. They used to go home, taking a nap and coming back to get another practice in. So that's that Europe that was in him too, for sure. Is uh, that showing? Oh, you got another I think Bismarck too. Bismarck, yeah. Okay. So yours are big. That's interesting. Cause yeah. Guard my experience. Yeah. So in my experience, just being around trainers and, you know, being in sessions. Um, you know, actually, that's true. Joe Kim Noah is probably one of the hardest working dudes I've seen. Joe Kim Noah and KG was an oh, yeah. maniac. Mm-hmm. KG, his his workouts would be short because he's so intense, though, mm-hmm. and yeah. he'd be getting to it. And yeah. so I used to rebound. That's why I like, first started training. I was rebounding for him. I was, it was scary to even rebound for that man. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was like, man, like his focus mm-hmm. is just on a different level. Fact. And like I'm saying, man, what, what y'all do every day? And to think that there's people who do more than what I see at the, hey, this is how you stay in the NBA. Yeah. You know, to be a superstar and get these contracts that are getting the three people you name yeah. by themselves. Right. It's like Those are Hall of Famers. Yeah. Hall of Famers. <laughs> and it's Hall of Fame work ethic. Mm-hmm. And so it, and it doesn't, it's just starting for the kids who are listening to this and to the parents who have kids. It, just because you're good in middle school 
It means nothing. That means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Just because you've been in high school, kind of, it, it doesn't mean nothing unless you're you're about to go go to the league, right? Yeah. Well, I think now you know they're taking kids a little bit earlier, so it means a little bit more. But for the underdogs, for the guys that's like us, it don't mean nothing until it's time to get there. You know what I mean? You only take only take you have a a, a good week. It could be a good two days, you know. And that's when I kind of got on the map with the Hardwood Classic with SCA with Pat Barrett, and it took me a weekend and I blew up. Well, uh, Reggie Morris asked me how the weekend went. I was like, it went cool. And then I have Donovan, uh, Billy Donovan, Coach Calhoun, all these dudes. Uh, Mike Henry Bibby showing up to the school on Tuesday. Wow. So it only takes a weekend, you know what I mean, to really put your name on the map. And so for you, was prep school, that, that was that? That had to happen, or did you choose that over going to college? Well, no, it, it was kind of both. I was the same way. I didn't take school series at all, but I was always eligible. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So it kind of gave me more time for basketball and more time for school as well, the SAT and all that stuff. We didn't have no knowledge about that. We right, we right. was going, you know, straight to the MLB or something like that. We had no no future or no mindset of, oh, you were, we're playing to go to college. We were playing to go to the pros. Yes. In baseball, it was never no college. So, but see, I I love that because I think people always say you're a student athlete, right? Mm -hmm. And student always comes first. And I'm like, nah, not really. Right. I think it's even yeah. because y'all focus was being a pro. It your journeys led you there for sure. Regardless, yeah. you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying. And, and it wasn't even pro baseball at first. Right. And you played baseball too? I did. Yeah. Okay, and that was the route you. I was in between. Okay. I so, started started to grow. I was always good at basketball. I, like, I played AAU since I was like nine. So I started yeah, off earlier. Yeah, I wasn't doing all that. So you were doing baseball until your sophomore year or junior year? No, senior year until I graduated. Well, I mean, when did you start taking up? When did you start playing basketball more than baseball? When I got to the NBA. <laughs> I was, that's what I'm saying. I was playing all the way until the last day. Dang. Yeah. And so, okay. Well, there you go. That's, that's different. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, man. One of a kind, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the thing is that, but y'all focus was always being a pro. Yeah. And my, like, that is my thing when I'm telling parents now, I was like, oh, we just want them to go to college. And I'm like, your kid's six, seven with a 45 inch vertical. Right. And think he loves the gym. Yeah. You're like, no, we were, let's focus on being a pro. Yeah. College it happened because yeah. we want to make sure he's good in the classroom. We have those resources. We, you know, we work out of private schools now. Yeah. Where yeah. you got, you're surrounded by, you, you can't mess up. Yeah. Exactly. So, these kids and their parents, I'm like, nah, if you want to be a pro, like, we never are dream killers, but let them push there and see what happens. No man. facts. Let's see what happens. And I love what you just said because us being inner city kids, we had to go to the inner city schools. We, our parents didn't have money for us to go play all these sports, win, play, pay for training because my dad did that, <laughs> but play, pay for all these sports, training, and then go to a private school. Now, you going down the street. I started at, off at Washington Prep. Wow. That's in the heart of the hood. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So, <laughs> you don't hear too many people coming out of Washington. You don't hear too many people coming out of Lusinger, you know, the, the schools that was around us. So now these kids have the advantage because they're able to go to these these uh, private schools. And uh, the academics is a little bit different. You know, me, I'm coming up with 50, 60 kids in a class. 10 want to be there. Everybody else either clowning or paying attention to something else. And you get caught up in that. Now, 
I get an email every week of what my son doing. Yep. You know what you I mean? check online, yeah. see what, what work he has. Yeah, yep. my parents didn't get that. So right. you, it's easy for us to slip. Now yeah, my, my best friend was changing his grades. We get the report card sent home. <laughs> we'll get that little pencil. Like, uh, you, know, you ain't getting a whoop this week at least. Yeah. I got called doing that. This crappy one right here. I was too scared of that. I think it was in numbers. It was getting numbers like ones was a, one was the lowest. And so you changed it to a four. I was trying to change to a four, right? Obviously, I'm in middle school, so my my handwriting is not as good. Yeah. My dad went, "What is this? Like you changing? Well, I got a woman so cold. Yeah, I wasn't that crappy. Oh man, that was no. my last resort. 